0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe. I am one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. If this is your first Sunday or you've been just coming for a few weeks, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, visit with us. We look forward to to getting to know you and hopefully meeting you if we haven't already. Quick thing for the members of the church. If you were not able to attend the members meeting, uh, let me highly encourage you to listen to the members meeting. That's online. Go to our website, go to the members section, and please take time, uh, to listen to that. We did a recap of really the last four years and then some of the things that are new. Um, that we believe the Lord is calling us to do. So please check that out after listening to it, If you have any questions about that, we'd love to talk with you about that as well. So Galatians chapter 6 today. Let me pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you especially for passages that are, are crystal clear. We don't have to wonder what you're talking about, like the passage we're going to look at this morning. Lord, we pray that this passage would probe us deeply. We pray that our lives would be different as we consider Your words. And we pray that we would all live more fruitful Christian lives as a result of this passage. And Lord, we pray You'd expose any lies that we are currently believing that are influencing the things that we give our time and attention and energy to. Lord, please set us free in an increasing way this morning. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Title of the message is, What Will You Reap? What will you reap? What does the word reap mean? Take a volunteer. Harvest. So when we reap something, when a farmer reaps something, they in the fall, they're reaping a crop. So behind me right here, is a reaping of pumpkins and gourds and some white pumpkins. They, the farmer planted a seed, and then they reaped a harvest. Late summer, early fall in western Pennsylvania is a time of reaping. So many of us have maybe pumpkins at our house. Maybe a month ago you were enjoying the last crop of tomatoes. Maybe you've gone to a farmer's market or you've had a garden. And your whole hope of late August was reaping. Maybe you've been to an orchard with your kids and you've been picking apples. That is all a reaping time. And this morning, the Apostle Paul wants us to think very carefully, very closely about this idea of reaping. Not because he wants to make us farmers, but because he wants to use agriculture and the lessons of farming to make a spiritual connection to all of our lives. And so I want us to think about the big question, what will you reap? What are you reaping? What are you giving your life to? And what will be the harvest? What will you reap? The passage we're going to look at today is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh reaps corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the question I want you to consider, I want us to consider together, is what will you reap? If you take stock of your entire life up to this point, what will the harvest be? This passage gives a very clear answer to that question. Which leads us to the first point. We will reap whatever we sow. We will reap whatever we sow. The term sow here, don't think of needle and thread, think of planting seeds in the ground. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. So, if I want to reap apples, I will plant an apple seed in the ground, and one day the harvest will be apples. If I want to reap pumpkins, I will sow a pumpkin seed into the ground. One day, I will have pumpkins. It's a simple concept with profound, profound results for a spiritual life. Look at verse 7 again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. So what is true in agriculture and farming is also true spiritually in our own lives. What we invest in, what we sow into, what we plant spiritually is what we will reap. I mean, think of it this way. I have an apple. I love apples. And if I planted a tomato seed in this early spring and I waited and waited and waited and was hoping that in the fall I would get an apple, you would think I'd be very foolish, because I planted a tomato seed. And so as I'm staring, I think, well, it doesn't look like a tree, but maybe. Maybe it'll produce an apple. No, it will never produce an apple, because the seed is a tomato seed. Well, spiritually speaking, I think at times, we as Christians, those of us who have trusted in Christ, We don't realize this principle. Maybe we sow, we invest in things that are more like poison ivy. And we expect something good to come on the tree. The principle is so simple that I think oftentimes we miss it. Let me give you some real life examples. I've been a pastor for a while in this church. I've been in the church since 1997. And sadly, at times, both in the church and in other Christian circles, I have seen marriages blow up. Completely blow apart. At times, they blow apart because of one big sinful act. But I would say that's very rare. Oftentimes, how does a marriage blow apart? Let's say between two Christians. Well, oftentimes, it's this slow sowing and reaping effect that one or both spouses has been sowing into things that are not the Spirit. They're not the fruits of the Spirit. They're not the things of the Lord. But there are other things. At times, sinful things. And eventually, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of sowing into the wrong things, Even as Christians, bad fruit will appear. And so in a marriage you get destruction. Or maybe you're not married, but in your life things begin to unravel. Spiritually speaking, oftentimes it's because you've been sowing to the flesh. You've been sowing to the wrong things. See, the Apostle Paul knows that we can be deceived in this area. That's why He says in verse 7, do not be deceived. Do not be fooled. Do not be tricked. And here's the sobering part of this verse. God is not mocked. God will never be fooled. God knows all, sees all, and He certainly will hold us to this principle. See, what we... So we will reap. Well, how do we get deceived? Because, you know, today, none of us probably want to be deceived. We don't want to be tricked. We get deceived when we believe a lie. When we buy it, hook, line, and sinker. First time we see this in the Bible is in the third chapter of the Bible. I don't have this projected. I want you to listen and imagine the scene. Now the serpent, that's Satan, was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And I said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? I to question what God had said. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither should you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die A lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman, when she saw the tree, let's say the fruit on the tree, was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it, and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and they ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves clothing. Eve was deceived. She believed the lie, and she took it. Now what happens next in Genesis chapter 3 is the Lord comes calling for Adam. Calling him to account for both of their sins. But see, when we think about this idea, when we think about the principle that we will reap whatever we sow, none of us start out our Christian lives trusting in Jesus, being freed from our sin, being made alive spiritually, and then think, I hope I can crash and burn as a Christian. I hope I can sow into this sinful flesh that remains and bring it back to life. I hope I can really disillusion my closest friends and family by the choices that I make. We don't start out that way. But oftentimes we believe lies. Here's a lie that we can believe. Lie number one. It does not matter how you live as a Christian. It doesn't matter how you live as a Christian. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I want you to listen to it very carefully. It doesn't matter how you live as a Christian. You know how the lie goes. It goes something like this. Well, if Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sins and took the wrath that I deserve and then rose from the grave, and if I have trusted in that free gift, Then I have eternal life and I am good to go. All that is true. Here's where the lie comes in. The lie comes in as a whisper. Well, then you can do whatever you want. That's not what the Bible says. That is a lie. And some of you are very vulnerable to that lie. You rightly understand that your salvation is a free gift. You wrongly understand That that means you can do whatever you want. See, let me just talk to teenagers in particular first. We're all vulnerable to this. But I think teens, you are particularly vulnerable to this. Particularly those of you who are teenagers who grew up in this church or another Christian church. You rightly understand that the gospel is a free gift you wrongly understand that that means you can do whatever you want. And so you begin to experiment with things. So let's, let's say things that God forbids. So alcohol, drunkenness, drugs, sex outside of marriage, sexual things, pornography. You begin to dabble. You begin to experiment. Experiment. What happens is you begin to reap what you sow. As you begin to feed your old nature, if you are indeed a Christian, hooks begin to appear. And when you stop and you try to stop doing the very behaviors that you know are wrong, you can no longer do it. And not only that, but now that you have begun to feed this old sinful nature, it's beginning to grow stronger and stronger. And though you have been freed when you trusted in Jesus Christ, you put the shackles back on, you put the handcuffs back on, and now you're being dragged around by your sinful passions and desires. So you're beginning to reap what you sow. It matters to the living God how you live. See, Bob spent the last few weeks talking about the good boundaries the Lord gives us as Christians. And when we go outside of those boundaries, we're never going to experience the life that Christ has purchased for us. We're never going to experience the freedom, the joy, the peace, the satisfaction. So do not believe that lie. Verse 8 is so clear. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. The one who feeds his or her old sinful nature will reap corruption. The idea here, the word itself, corruption, is the equivalent of a rotten vegetable or fruit. It's from a distance, this looks like a good healthy pumpkin, but imagine if I rolled it over and it was all rotten and decayed. See, that's what happens when we feed our own nature, there will be rot, and there will be decay, and there will be corruption. Last Friday, or this past Friday, I was at uh, the the drug rehab I go to every week to do a Bible study, and it was a particularly large group, over 20 men. And uh, I like to ask them questions at the time just to get to know them some. I say, "How many of you grew up in a church?" And I swear to you, 19 out of the 20 grew up in a church. Now, I didn't interview what denomination, what exactly was taught. But I know from knowing some of the men, some of them, not all of them certainly, but some of them are genuine Christians that have fed their old nature. When you look at their life, some are 30 years old, some are in their 40s, some are in their 50s, there's rot and decay all around. They're not enjoying the freedom that Christ has purchased for them. They believe the lie. So maybe that's you this morning. What do you do if that's you? You would say, I genuinely have trusted in Jesus Christ. But boy, have I been feeding this monster inside of me. What you need to do, you need to bring it out into the light. You need to confess it to the Lord. You need to ask others for help. And you need to not believe this lie either. Lie number two. There are no consequences for our sins. It's very similar to the first lie but maybe a little more specific. We think that we can live a life of sin without there being consequences. Remember what the passage said? God is not mocked. The holy judge of the universe. He will not be mocked. He will not be mocked by those of you who have yet to trust in Christ. That you have lived your life apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, and to really satisfy your own desires and pleasures. Maybe sometimes simple, maybe sometimes innocent, but all the while, you have rejected the God who made you, the God who sustains you, the God who keeps your heart beating, who keeps your lungs breathing this morning. The one that you are absolutely dependent on for your very life. And you've given Him no acknowledgement. See, there will be ultimate consequence for you if you die rejecting God's free gift of Jesus Christ to you. See, God loves you so much that He sent His Son to rescue you. To live for you. To die for you. To rise from the grave. And you need to come to terms with Him. And if you don't, the Bible is so clear that there is an eternity of punishment, of hell, of wrath, That is reserved for you. And may the sun not go down today till you deeply consider that and run to Jesus Christ. Now it's just not non-Christians who are vulnerable to that lie. We too can think we'll get away with our sin. We'll do it in secret. We won't do it on Sunday morning. The chances of some of you in this room looking at pornography on a regular basis are very high. I bet none of you would do it on Sunday morning between 11 and 12 o'clock. You've been doing it in secret. And it's become enslaving to you. And you have begun to reap what you have sown. And you can't get out of it on your own. See, there will be consequences for that. But God is a God of mercy, a God of restoration, a God of new life. And you are in a room with many men and women who have been forgiven of their sins, who have experienced freedom, who have at times had to bring their sin out into the light and have a loving brother or sister come alongside them and help them and say hard things to them and do the kinds of things that Bob has taught us the last few weeks. Help us get out of those traps. You are in the right place. But you need to come clean. And it's not just that sin. It could be any sin. It's probably the one you're thinking of right now. And don't be deceived by this thought either, that your biggest problem is your spouse finding out, or your biggest problem is your mom or dad finding out, or your your biggest problem is your roommate or your friends. What will they think of you? All those things will be problems to navigate. But your biggest problem is the Lord. He will not be mocked. He wants a pure and holy bride. And He wants you to experience freedom. To experience joy. To experience peace. Which brings us to the next lie. There are no benefits to living by the Spirit. Lie number three. There are no benefits. Do not believe that lie. There is great benefit to sowing to God's Spirit, to pursuing God's Spirit, to living for the Lord by the power of His Spirit. Look at the second part of verse 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The one who sows to the Spirit, continually sows to the Spirit will reap this eternal life. Eternal life kind of confuses us. Eternal life isn't what, just what is what to come. It's what you began experiencing the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ. The very moment you believed, as John 3.16 says, you began to have eternal life. And now you're to walk out that eternal life. Now you're to, as Mary said, to throw off, the old garments, the old rave clothes. How do you do that? Well, Paul told us earlier in chapter 5, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are Not under the law. See, we're to sow to the Spirit. We're to be in this book and pray to our God day after day. Why do I and many of us in this room get up every morning and open this book and cry out to the Lord and put prayer requests in our Bible? Why do we do that? Because I really believe the second part of verse 8 that those who sow to the Spirit, we will reap the benefits of having eternal life. We will experience the life of God now. So the more you sow to the Spirit, the more spiritual fruit you will reap. This is not mysterious. So I want to grow your appetite for what the Lord wants you to do. As you pursue Him, you will have more spiritual fruit, more spiritual life. You will experience more of that living water that Jesus talked about when He talked to the woman at the well. See, if you would describe your Christian life right now as barren and dry, I think one of the reasons is because you're not feeding God's Spirit in you. You're not sowing over and over again. So let's say I want to have a great... Pumpkin Festival next fall. And I want every person in western Pennsylvania to have a pumpkin. What would I do? Would I plant five pumpkin seeds? No. I would gather up the all the pumpkin seeds I could get and ask all the farmers that I know, say, we're going to blitz every field with pumpkins so I can have a great harvest. Well, spiritually speaking, if you want to grow and prosper spiritually as a Christian, there's a direct connection to what you're sowing into and what you will reap. The more you pray, the more you spend time in God's Word, the more you obey God's Word, the more you can expect a great harvest. See, at times, it's not the sins that derail us. It's just going to things that are not the Lord. That will not satisfy. Remember the verse in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 2, where where he says, God says, my my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken God. The second evil is they've gone to broken cisterns, things that would not satisfy. See, some of us, our problem isn't secret sin. It's thinking that things will satisfy us that were never intended to satisfy us. The gifts of God that are real gifts, we, we begin to switch them and look to them for satisfaction. So that could be a relationship. That could be marriage. That could be children. That could be a house. That could be a job. That could be a successful career. All those things can be good gifts from the Lord. But they will never satisfy you like sowing into God's Spirit, spending time with God. Second point, we will reap a great harvest if we do not give up. You and I will reap a great harvest if we will not give up. See, one of the things that we can learn from farmers is perseverance. Any good farmer is an extremely hard worker. They get up earlier than most of us, they go to bed later than most of us. They have aches and pains that maybe most of us know nothing about. They they go out in all weather, all times of the year. All because they have a harvest in mind. So when their back hurts, they still go. When it's cold and snowy and rainy, they still go. Well, they do it because they know they have to do it in order to have a harvest. They have vision. And I want to give you vision from God's Word. We will reap a great harvest if we do not give up. Verse 9, And Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. See, Paul's transitioning here in verse 9 from not just sowing to our own spirit for our own spiritual good, but now he wants to give us vision that if you're in Christ, if Jesus has rescued you, you have been recruited to do good to others. All kinds of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It is to be a natural byproduct of your Christian life. And if you do not give up, you will reap a great harvest. See, another lie we can believe is all of our effort is a waste of time. Especially those of you who have been plugging away at something good for a long time. Let's say that you're discipling someone or you've been really dedicated to evangelism, some sort of ministry. But you haven't seen the effect you had hoped. And you've grown weary. This phrase, grow weary, here, where it says, let us not grow weary, it literally means it's a farmer, no tractor, when this was written, working in the field. Now the sun is up and it's hot and their back is aching. And there's a strong temptation to just throw in the towel, it's not worth it. See, that, that's a lie to think all your effort is a waste of time. See, the Lord says your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so, this is a call to persevere, to keep going, because in due season, at the right time, we will reap if we do not give up. How do we battle this discouragement? How do we battle as Christians? This this isn't just true if you're discipling someone. Let's, Let's just start at home. Those of you who are raising kids or have raised kids. Maybe at times you feel like the farmer. Back is aching. Sun is hot. All my effort seems to have little effect. God would say to you, do not grow weary. For in due time, you will reap if you do not give up. The Lord will respond to your prayers. The Lord will bring to life all the seed of God's Word and the Gospel that you have sown out. Do not grow weary in well-doing. See, oftentimes, I find even in my own life, it's right at that breaking point where I got this surrender towel in my back pocket. I'm about to pull it out. And I want to pull it out. But then God's Word comes and restrains me from pulling it out. Okay, one more step forward. One more time going to this rehab. One more time sharing the Gospel with someone. One more time praying with a brother who seems to just keep going around in a circle. And sure enough, at times, the Lord begins to break through. Begins to change. Begin to catch a glimpse of the harvest that He promises. See, it's a lie to think that all your time, your tears, your prayers, your words were wasted. They were not wasted. They are not wasted. The Lord is kind and powerful and gracious. and He will do what He promises. So persevere. Do not pull out the flag and wave it. Finish strong. You know, One of the words you heard this morning from Marcy was, you started out well. Now you're at the hard part of life, the hard part of the race. And the Lord would say to you, finish strong. Do not give up. One of the members of our church, Zach Collins, began a marathon this morning at 9 a.m., about 10 miles south of here in the middle of this storm. So he is two hours and 20 minutes into his race right now, and he's hoping for about three hour and 50 minute finish time. He's feeling a lot of pain right now, probably. He's uncomfortable. He's probably thinking, why did I pay money for this? Why am I doing this right now? But see, people who are along the way are going to encourage him to keep going. And the worst thing that can happen to him today is he stops and eats some humble pie and and that's it. But see, when we stop going, there are lives that could be influenced and affected for good by us. There are people yet to know Jesus Christ that God wants to use you to introduce them to himself. And the thing that I have seen that derails Most men and women from ministry is not moral failure. It's discouragement. They lose heart. They get discouraged. They don't see the effects that they were so zealous for as young people, as 20-year-olds who were zealous to take on the whole world. Now they're tired. Now you're tired. See, the Lord would say to you, finish strong. Do not lose heart. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. As many of you know, our, one of our church members, Rodney Allshouse, has been um, in the hospital. He's recovering. He just came home. And he sent us a text, I think, yesterday. He said, I'm, I'm being released. There was a number of us who are um, quite a bit younger than him. And, he, and the text said, watch out, boys, I'm coming. And uh, he loves the Lord. And he has a great passion for the Lord. And that's the right response. Watch out, boys. I'm coming. See, do not grow weary. Last lie we're going to expose. Lie number two. Live for yourself and don't waste your time helping others. Live for yourself and don't waste your time helping others. Verse 10 says, so then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. See, the lie is live for yourself. And don't waste your time helping others. One of the things that we're excited about is we have a growing number of baby boomers in the church. and So many of you are in that age group. Don't believe the lie of the retirement commercials. They they go something like this. So you see a beach see an ocean, you see a Labrador Retriever, and you see just bliss. Now, we all know, probably if you're in that scene, your dog goes to the bathroom on the beach, you tear your tendon while you're walking in the uneven ground, and then you throw out your back. See, the, the picture never happens. I love the beach, so it's not wrong to go to the beach. But ever since we got married, I was 22 when I got married, I Mistakenly signed up for retirement stuff. So I've been receiving retirement information um, our entire 18 years of marriage. And it's all selling something that I don't think is true. It's a mirage. That happiness will come when you live for yourself, have all the money that you need, you don't have to re- rely on the Lord anymore. You don't have to. Now, they're not saying that, but that, that's the message. But the problem is, when you get there, if you're not looking for your primary joy in Jesus, and you're not committed to using your gifts, talents, and abilities to serve others, it's going to be empty. It's going to be a mirage. Not saying it's wrong to go to the beach. I love the beach. We love the beach as a family. But you get what I'm saying. Do not live for that. Do not live for that. See, it is worth it to give yourself, to be spent for people that are created in the image of God. It is so worth it. Oh, it will be hard. There will be times where you feel like giving up. But one day, we're going to be face to face before the Lord. And those of you who persevere, you're going to hear these beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant well done and then you're going to see a sea of people behind you that you were able to contribute towards you did something kind you did something good towards them that was of benefit so then we we as we have opportunity let us do good that literally means let us do something beautiful to everyone especially to those of the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters. This morning, I was, I was thinking about this quote I had read before, and probably most of you have heard, uh, by name, a guy named C.T. Studd. So I looked it up this morning. I want to read it to you. Um, as I read, let's have the band come up. And the quote went something like this. You probably know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably know the first part. This quote was written by a man named C.T. Studd. He lived in the days of Hudson Taylor and D.L. Moody. When he was 16, he responded to the gospel as D.L. preached the gospel. Apparently, he was a very good athlete. He was a world-renowned cricket player, which isn't popular in our parts, but it was a big deal then. And he gave it up as a younger man. As he grew older, he dedicated his life to be a missionary. He lived his last days in China where he died at the age of 70. And he said this quote, he said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. So you probably heard that quote before. But I picked up a new line in the stanza of the poem today. And when I am dying, how happy I will be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. See, if you spend your life living for Jesus, sowing to God's Spirit, dedicated to your brothers and sisters and reaching the lost, how happy you will be as your light burns out for Jesus Christ. Question we began with, was this. What will you reap? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Let's stand and pray, and we're going to sing. Father, thank You for caring for us as a good and kind Father. Holy Spirit, we pray You would search us now. And where we have room to grow in sowing to Your Spirit, would You give us power and faith. Where we have been sowing to the flesh, would You give us boldness to confess it. Bring it to the light and find freedom. Lord, we need you. We thank you that you are with us and among us. Lord, lift our gaze as we sing this song to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.